Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, mergers and acquisitions. Now, if that doesn't get you excited, you should know that's how I grew up in the law. That's where my bread was buttered. I started doing venture capital and mergers and acquisitions when I first got into this line of work and I have done a bundle of them, which is why on your screen right now is the famous screenshot from when Xbox announced that it was purchasing the ZeniMax companies here labeled as Bethesda. And what we talked about earlier as one of the biggest deals ever in video games, it's $7.5 billion. Now, what we also noted when we made that video and when we discussed the deal in its early iterations is that unlike what you might have been hearing from various journalistic outlets like IGN on the day it was announced that says now that Microsoft owns Bethesda, fans want X and Y and Z, I pointed out that that was not in fact the case, that when you make that announcement, it does mean that ink is on the page. People have signed the contract to affect the sale of the company. You don't announce it really before then, but there's a whole long process of getting your I's dotted and your T's crossed before the deal can take effect. Or as I tweeted back then, I'd be remiss not to point out that Microsoft does not now own Bethesda. It's unlikely, but not impossible for it to be an issue, but they still have to get through closing conditions and regulator approval. Closing will be a while. And this was in September of 2020, and it's now February of 2021. And as we are seeing, as these stories kind of percolate, the actual sale has not yet occurred, which brings us to today's story. I was made aware of a bunch of stories going out around the internet through DMs and also also different social media posts that talked to me about a company called Vault, that Microsoft was going to be changing the name of ZeniMax to Vault, that we're going to be doing something different with its branding and all this various stuff. And I wanted to clear some things up. So I brought up one of the articles that I saw referenced. Microsoft plans to merge ZeniMax into a new subsidiary called Vault. PS5 releases for future Bethesda games still up in the air. And then this was repeated verbatim in places like Reddit, highlighting the article. You can see it's a pretty popular post. It's at the top of, I think, slash games. Uh, And a number of people did ask me about it. So one of the things that I wanted to make very clear, as you can probably tell from the thumbnail already, is that no, Microsoft does not, just based on the documents we're going to talk about, have designs to change the name of ZeniMax. That probably intuitively makes sense to you. ZeniMax and Bethesda and id and all these various other studios that are a part of the zenimax family of entities they have a certain amount of cachet they have a certain amount of brand goodwill associated with what they have put out so far one of the things microsoft is buying is part of that goodwill that branding so in general you aren't going to change the name of your target entity the entity that you are purchasing if you are in the mergers and acquisitions field now where a lot of this confusion is coming up is because the EU is currently considering whether or not to approve this transaction. As we talked about in that earlier video, regulators now get a seat at the table. They get to look at both the US and the EU and any other jurisdiction that this transaction might touch and say, is this okay under our laws? Are we worried that this will be too big of a consolidation, will trigger our antitrust, anti-competition concerns? We get to ask the companies for various bits of information. We get to ask for more information if we aren't satisfied with their initial filing. And the EU is going through that process right now. As part of that process, they've issued a notification of what Microsoft and ZeniMax has told them about the deal. And there's a whole bunch of legalese here, but ultimately it says the following. This notification concerns Microsoft and ZeniMax. Microsoft acquires, within the meaning of the merger regulation in the EU, 
sole control of the whole of ZeniMax. Microsoft is going to buy all of ZeniMax. How does this happen? The concentration is accomplished by way of a merger pursuant to which a newly created Microsoft subsidiary called Vault will be merged with and into ZeniMax. Now, one of the things that I think a lot of people reporting on this issue are skipping, and it's easy to do, it's all legalese, I understand it, it's not anybody's fault, is this with and into concept. I've seen some places get it right, some places get it wrong. Most predominantly, the folks getting it wrong is this article and the Reddit discussion, right? When they say something is going to merge with and into the other party, then that other party is what we call the surviving entity. Vault is a vehicle. It is a new creation, a subsidiary of Microsoft designed solely with the intent of becoming ZeniMax and by becoming ZeniMax, making that entity ZeniMax owned by Microsoft in its entirety. It is what we call a reverse triangular merger because like every profession, we like to have a few bits of jargon to uh, make sure that we can talk to each other at cocktail parties and things. But in this video, I'm going to talk to you about what the differences in those forms are. When you hear about a merger or an acquisition, chances are you're not thinking about the corporate structure of the deal. Who can blame you? When people hear things like ZeniMax is merging into Microsoft, Microsoft is buying ZeniMax, for the most part, people probably think about it like this. And please don't let the extravagance of these slides wow you too much. I know, I know. This is a direct merger, and I'll try to articulate it a bit for the podcast listeners here. I've got on the left side a ZeniMax box, a big red arrow to the right, and a Microsoft box on that right side. ZeniMax merges into Microsoft. This is by far the simplest way to effect a merger. Why doesn't it happen this way very often, especially when you're talking about very large, very significant corporations? Well, it's because ZeniMax has its own bucket of liabilities, its own bucket of contracts, its own operational concerns. ZeniMax is huge, and Microsoft is going to get representations and warranties, is going to get promises from ZeniMax about what's in their financial statements, what assets they have, how they've been complying with the law in every jurisdiction that they've operated in, but those promises only go so far, and if ZeniMax just merges directly into Microsoft, and a regulator in some jurisdiction says, well, you were classifying your your employees as contractors, and you owe us a bunch of taxes, Microsoft would prefer to not have the entire Microsoft asset base now subject to the liabilities that ZeniMax has introduced. Sure, they would have claims against ZeniMax and the prior ZeniMax owners under their contract, but it's not a great deal of help. So what the lawyers and the advisors come in and do is say, well, if you're going to buy this giant new company, it's going to have operational concerns. It's going to have potential liabilities. What you want to do is you want to separate it from your current existence for a time. Now, one of the easy ways to do that is what we call a forward triangular merger where Microsoft says, okay, we're going to drop down a subsidiary. It's going to be wholly owned by us. It's not going to own anything. It's just going to be a shell entity. And then we are going to file some merger documents where ZeniMax merges not into Microsoft, but into Vault. And it's pretty easy for anybody to see that when ZeniMax merges into Vault, two entities stop existing, one entity survives, and now Microsoft owns ZeniMax. And it could be called Vault, after they purchased it, what would happen in a purchase like this is that they would also buy the intellectual property rights to their brand names and their trademarks and things along those lines. And they would immediately change the name of this subsidiary to ZeniMax. Either way, you wouldn't be operating with an entity called Vault. Vault is, in my opinion, obviously I'm not a fly on the wall in the room where these discussions are being had at Microsoft. Vault is a kind of funny kitschy name for what is effectively a merger vehicle for ZeniMax, more specifically Bethesda, and of course, their Fallout property, which prominently features Vaults and Vault Boy, as of course I used on the thumbnail to this video. 
A lot of times lawyers will make these subsidiary vehicles really lame names that are easy to identify. I would see very often something like ZeniMax Merger Sub or ZeniMax Sub or whatever it might be that you can imagine that would otherwise sound boring and corporate lawyery. In this case, they went with a slightly different name called Vault. It doesn't matter what this is called because this will cease to exist when ZeniMax and Vault merge. But going back to the EU filing here, they didn't say that ZeniMax was merging with and into Vault. They said Vault was merging with and into ZeniMax, which is where the reverse in reverse triangular merger comes from. This is forward and this is reverse. I'm sure you could spot the difference, but that bottom arrow goes from left to right to right to left. So now you have Microsoft dropping down a subsidiary called Vault and then Vault merges in to ZeniMax. Now, why does that happen? We already talked about separating the liabilities at the ZeniMax level from the Microsoft level. That still happens with just either direction, the forward or the reverse triangular merger. What this helps to accomplish is that ZeniMax is the surviving entity. ZeniMax is a giant company with a billion contracts out there, some of which are going to not be terminated when a transaction like this happens and ZeniMax continues on operationally into the future. So if you've got a company that is very high in revenue, has a lot of contracts, has existed for a long time, has a public goodwill component to it, and you want to try to make sure that as many contracts as possible aren't upended, that you don't have to revise them, that you don't have to change them, then you do a reverse triangular merger in order to make sure that the operational capacity of ZeniMax continues on. Now, you might also say, Rick, I'm looking at these arrows here. Doesn't Vault wind up over here? And what's the ownership structure like? That's where it gets a little lost in terms of picture making from a corporate law perspective, because this transaction is going to be Vault merging into ZeniMax, Vault getting the ZeniMax shares and ZeniMax's current owners getting the money for the merger. What winds up happening is that Microsoft's arrow just goes over to ZeniMax when this merger happens. And that's how a reverse triangular merger works. You drop down that subsidiary, it merges into ZeniMax, and then Microsoft owns all of ZeniMax, which if you read the actual sentence for that purpose is exactly what they told the EU was happening which is all a long way, but hopefully an educational way of saying this is perfectly normal. Reverse triangular mergers are very often used in corporate acquisitions of this type. And it's not unusual to have a forward triangular merger either. It's neither this way or the other, but there are reasons structurally, operationally, certainly for tax reasons, why you structure it in a way like this. But no, the reporting on Reddit or PSU or anywhere else that you might see that says, ooh, Bethesda's opening up a new brand called Vault and ZeniMax is changing its name. And what does this mean for everything that's happening at Microsoft? This means absolutely nothing. What the sentence described was a perfectly normal merger transaction, a way for a company to acquire another large company while separating its liabilities in a very smart, very normal way. Could Microsoft do something weird with ZeniMax in the future? Absolutely. But in the instant case, right now, it's doing everything that we would expect from when they announced it back late last year. Hopefully that's a short virtual legality for you. I know we like to do long ones here in this space and we'll probably have another long one coming up for you shortly. Otherwise, if you like this content, if you like talking about business and law, uh, video games, pop culture in general, the stuff that you're already reading about, I did just get another column up on uh, VGC earlier this morning. It is a article with a fairly high level of uh, discourse on Twitter. If you're interested in any of that, some people uh, very much don't like the opinions given there. Of course, you can also follow up with the video that I did on the monolith patent on that topic 
last week, but please do check it out. Certainly want to make sure that VGC uh, knows that there are people interested in this content, and I thank them very much for giving me the opportunity uh, to write for them on these topics. Otherwise, we have the normal support channels, Patreon, Streamlabs, uh, a store where you can purchase gear. Please check all of those out, and if you're just interested in supporting the channel uh, without any cash dispensation, I don't blame you one bit please just consider subscribing and telling your friends that we're having a conversation like this. Love to see the growth in the channel. Love to get these topics out there when I think we can clear up some things, hopefully inform, educate. And if we're doing things right, entertain on these topics that I know are important to you. They're certainly important to me. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.